Section 1 of Deeds of Daring Done by Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Deeds of Daring Done by Girls by Hannah Moore. The Robe of the Duchess, as told by Jehan, her page, in the Year of Grace, 1392 one tis not so quoth she and you know it and with that she fetched me a buffet on the ear now when the other pages saw me bested like that by a damsel even though she were my lady they roared and girded at me so loud that i like to have choked with rage i ran forward a step but she cried out and you touch me i'll have you whipped sir and truth she would which well i knew for i'd felt ere this old raoul's whip curling about my shoulders all on her charges too but that was some years since twas this wise that the present pother came about of a joyous afternoon in may my lady eleanor took it into her head to go into the court to see her hawk for these many months i'd been training of it for her and in all the mews there was not another flew so true aimed so swift and brought back her quarry so little torn my lady knew right well that the hawk was for her but she knew not that i thought to give it her on her feet day which fell on the morrow the bird was in fine feather not a pinion roughed her russet colour showing redly in the sun it was a barbary bird and a new hood of fine leather on her head on her feet fastened by buets of deer's hide hung two milan bells of gold the one as is ever the way with choicest bells a semitone below the other these bells i had begged from comte gaston who gave willingly enough when he knew that they were to pleasure my lady now twas not my purpose that she should see the bird till next day but womenfolk ever contrive to mix matters up i thought but to stay her to keep her jesting for a while but her anger rose and was greater than i knew she was down in the broad hall on her way to the mews and i following behind before my wits which work ever a thought slow had conjured up something to say pray mistress saith i how old be you to-morrow let me think will it be all of eleven years to tell the truth i knew her years as well as she it was nine years since my lady's mother, Dame Eleanor of Comminges, had brought and left her daughter with my lord, Gaston Phoebus, Comte de Foix. Comte Gaston was my lady's cousin, and poor Dame Eleanor, her mother, fleeing from a cruel husband, knew not where to place the child, so sought advice from Comte Gaston, a powerful and great lord. Leave her with me, saith my lord, who had taken a fancy to my little lady then but a child of three she was the first bright thing that had come to the old castle of orthez which was but a gloomy tower since in a rage my lord gaston had slain his only son and driven forth to her own people his wife the princess agnes canst thou wonder that we all loved the child none knew nor loved her better than i being that my lord gaston gave me to be her page and playfellow since there were but scullery maids and some rude wenches in the castle since the princess agnes went forth 
so who should doubt but that i should know my lady's age besides this i was but four years older come halloween being well grown and tall she was ever tender on the subject of her years by my lord's command she had been taught to play on the lute she could walk a measure hunt and hawk and since the new tire-woman had come there had been much bravery of apparel so it twas but to tease her and keep her from the muse that i put forth all of eleven years tis not so and you know it quoth she and then came the buffet i choked down my rage and turning to those that mocked me thought to bring the laugh on her varlets cried i my lady eleanor is no longer a child she chooses you to know twelve years old will she be to-morrow but two years younger than our new queen isabeau and who knows what brave suitor comes to woo at this they all laughed again as in truth i hoped they would with a black look at me and a stamp of her foot my lady turns and goes up the stair this pleased me well since the hawk was forgotten wit ye well ye shall suffer for this sneered one of the pages between whom and me there was ever discord your mistress wilt have you soundly swinged and well i pray my lord will do it himself my skin was pricking somewhat at the thought but it behoved me to show no signs of it so i looked him in the eye and flung back if my lord so much as cuffs me thou mayest do it also and with that i strolled to the mews i stroked the hawk and thought how pleased my lady would be on the morrow to have her and fly her too since to pleasure my lady my lord had passed his word that we all should fly a cast with him on the broad marshes that lay to the west a league or more long ere cock-crow the next day was i astir twas a bright day for me since my lord had given me a new livery for the first time i cast away my leathern doublet and put on one of soft cloth and drew on a brave pair of chosses a red one on the right leg and a green one on the left and tied the points to my doublet it needed but only a sword to make me a man as i stole down the stair i crept into the great hall to take one look into the great mirror of purest crystal which had but lately come to my lord from a land far overseas called venice what i saw therein causeth me to turn hot since never thought i to look so fine clapping my cap on my head i ran to the muse to bathe the feet of the hawk in fair water to settle her bells and jesses and to see that the hood could be quickly cast aside soon i heard the bustle in the courtyard and hurried thither with the hawk on hand my faith but it was a joyous sight there on the highest step stood my lord and beside him my mistress eleanor my lord was smiling at her and well he might she stood beside him so straight and tall she was in a gown of green made of florence cloth and on her head was a cap bound with many chains of gold which she telleth me later came from the same faraway country as the mirror venice in their midst was set a stone big as a throstle's egg and blue as the sky on her hips hung a girdle of gold set close with little stones of this same sky blue all this i saw as i walked from the court's end coming up the steps said i in my bravest fashion mistress eleanor here is the hawk i train for thee 
and I set the Barbary bird upon her wrist. Now, Jehan, I forgive thee, saith she, and trust thou wilt bear in mind that I be twelve years, not eleven. My lord and cousin hath a gift for thee also, and telleth me to give it thee now. With that she hands me out a sword, a brave, bright sword, and my lord says kindly, Have it ever ready in her service, Jehan, she is a lonely maid. I bent and kissed my lady's hand, and saith with my heart in my mouth, My lord, I'll e'en follow her to the world's end. Thou art a good lad, and I trust thee. And as he spoke, my lord smiled. True, as I swore fealty to my lady, I little recked how soon t'would be before I rode away behind her. Just then the huntsman wound his horn, and we all rode out over the drawbridge and away into the bright sun and green fields a-hawking. We made a merry day of it. The hounds sped before, starting up many a creature that fled affrighted from us. My lady rode not her own palfrey, which was a gentle animal, but of little speed, but a chestnut mare, one specially cherished by Comte Gaston, even though she was a thought too light for his bulk. For many a day the mare had been but exercised about the court, and being a high-mettled creature soon grew fretted by the flapping of my lady's habit, a thing to which she was ill-used. We were pricking along at a good pace, my lady having her hands full holding down the mare, when suddenly from the grass at her very feet darted out a fallow deer, a little thing scarcely more than a month old. The mare started, threw up her head, and ere I knew what had befallen, had wheeled about and started off like the wind. Jehan! I heard my lady call, and turning my own horse about, I spurred him after the flying mare. On we sped. The others, passing through a copse, had missed seeing our plight. Hold fast, mistress, shouted I, while I strove with whip and spur to get beside her. Little by little we crept forward, my horse and I, and after that day I ever forbore to call him a poor thing. First his nose pressed the mare's thigh, and then he came up with the saddle-cloth, and then a bit ahead of that, till I called, Loose your foot from the stirrup, mistress. Even as I spoke I could see that she did it. Lean towards me, and drop the reins, mistress. And as I spoke I switched my poor nag and leaned from the saddle, took my mistress about the waist, and pulled her clear of the mare. It took but a moment more to set her gently on the ground and start after the mare, since I knew, if aught befell her, our day of pleasuring would have but an ill ending. Freed from the flapping of the skirt, she gradually slackened her pace, and ere long I was leading her back to where my lady stood with the tall marsh grasses waving about her feet. Help me to mount, Jehan, saith she, whilst I was turning about in my mind how to urge her to let me ride the mare while she took the steadier horse. Pray, mistress, I began, but she cut me short with, Have a care that my cousin knows not of this mishap, since it fairly shames me to think how the mare bested me, but I was not affrighted. At this she gave a side look at me, but I knew her too well to show that I had noted her white face. I did not answer, but pondered if it was not seemlier to guard my mistress even against herself. When she noted me standing and switching of the grass, she crieth out, Sure, Jehan, it would be an unkind part 
to tell that I was like to be run with on my feet day, since all has come out well. Promise now that thou wilt hold thy peace. So promise I did, and none guessed how near we had come to grief, though my lord, when we drew up with them, wondered why the mare looked so hard-ridden. T'was now well on to noon, and we rested by the side of a clear stream, and ate of squirrels fresh roasted, and of little fishes drawn from the brook but half an hour before, and of the honey of the wild bee spread on cakes of white flour, and of spices, and of wine. Hast had a happy day, little one, saith my lord, as we sat neath the trees. And my mistress, turning, laid her cheek on his hand, and said, Dear cousin, never can I thank thee enough for all that thou hast done for me, and the tears like to have fallen. To see thee happy gives me all the thanks I crave. And my lord fetched a deep sigh, thinking belike of that son whom his own hand had slain. Then, when the sun grew low, homeward we turned, the pages singing as we rode along, white as a lily, more ruddy than the rose, brilliant as a ruby that with spark of fire glows, your beauty and your loveliness to me all peerless shows, white as a lily, more ruddy than the rose. My heart for your heart watches, it pleaseth me to know that to all other lovers the law of love I show, white as a lily, more ruddy than the rose, brilliant as a ruby that with spark of fire glows. 2. When we came in sight of the castle of Orthez, there rose from the great chimneys a dark cloud of smoke. The drawbridge fell, and the steward rode forth to meet us. Lo, my lord, he cried, hasten home. Whilst thou wert absent here, hath come a great lord, the Duke de Berry, with messages from the king. Hath he a great following? questioned my lord. Seventy lances and thirty sumpter mules. They are cared for, my lord, and all have supped. We hurried forward. As my lord rode into the court, the Duke de Berry cometh through the door to meet him. He was elder than my lord, and was uncle to King Charles, and a powerful and noble lord. Never had I looked on one so great as he. All France hath heard how he taxed his people, and gathered from them great stores of money that he might have gold to buy palaces that he might get from strange and foreign countries noble pictures with which to deck his walls, and tapestries wrought in colored threads and gold. Not only these things did he buy, but books enriched with jewels and filled with images of saints and others, colored with blue, red, and gold. After him rode hundreds of followers when he went to war or traveled abroad in strange countries. As one looked upon him, his face seemeth harsh at first, yet a smile became it well, and he smiled when he looked on my mistress, as doth every one who seeth her. One, two, three days he tarried. T'was said that his matters were dispatched in one, and true it is that when my mistress was before him, his eyes ne'er left her face. Right seemly she looketh, thought I, as I stood behind her chair when they supped. Never before had she borne herself so bravely, and rich were the gods that tirewoman furnished forth. One evening my lady came into the great hall in a gown of cherry red made from the thread of the silkworm and wondrous soft and fine. Above this was a long coat with wide-pointed sleeves, 
and it was bound about her with a sash of cloth that shone like silver her hair was woven with strings of pearls large and white and over her hung a veil like unto a spider's web set full with shining threads well do i remember all this for it was the first time that ever i had seen such richness of apparel till now we had been friends together playmates the priest whom my lord gaston had brought to dwell in the castle taught us to read and when we irked him over much sent us packing then would we spend the time running over the great old castle shooting with the bow and arrow and teaching the shagged greyhounds to fetch and carry but from today all was different she was a great lady and i her page jehan to hand her cup to do her bidding within doors and to ride at her litter's side or by her saddle when she went abroad with my sword loosened and hand steady and prompt at her need on the fourth day my lord gaston rode out with the duke de berry to see him fare forth my mistress stood upon the steps as they set out with her sky-blue jewel in her hair and her cheeks like maybuds the duke had bent and kissed her hand and of a truth i heard him say farewell mistress thou wilt hear from me again and that shortly she saith never a word but looked into his face and smiled now once again it was jehan here and jehan there and we fell back into our old ways i digged and tilled for her the garden patch without the walls of the castle for this was a year of richness and my lady's gillyflowers and lavender lilies and coriander showed bright beside the dull pot-herbs anise mustard and storax and the beds of leeks dittany lettuces and garden-cress we had words over the poppies jehan saith she didst ever see the poppies brighter than they be this spring fair they be mistress and of a size too so that the seeds will be choice and none need suffer for lack of a sleeping draught if they be ill mean you to save all the flowers for seeds of truth yes mistress since they be so fine but jehan thou knowest that i love the poppies and sure they were planted for me now this was true but the flowers were so exceeding fine and gave promise of such a crop of seeds that i fairly loathed to give one up so i tried to coax mistress eleanor with other buds jehan suddenly quoth she run you to the court and fetch me out a garden tool i would help thee myself to-day i hurried away as she bade me and when i got back there she stood in the midst of the poppy bed with a wreath of them in her black hair and both hands full i stopped short and she began to laugh at me looking so like the fairies we hear of dancing in a ring that though i felt the loss of the poppy seeds sore all i could find to say was oh mistress the seeds but the flowers are so beautiful and the seeds but ill-favoured black things as thou knowest well jehan wherefore i chose the flowers there was naught to do but to hope that the buds that were left would bloom freely and shortly we went back to the castle for the day was growing warm the birds had ceased their morning songs and the wind was no longer sweet and cool as we reached the gate there came to us faint and far away the sound of a winded horn we turned and out over the marshes we could see coming many knights their armor glistening in the sun and their lances shining like so many points of fire who be these think you jehan 
said my mistress, as with her wreath of poppies she stood and watched them come. But I knew no more than she, and soon the stranger knights rode by us into the court, each man as he passed doffing his cap to my mistress, who stood tall and smiling and bowing in her turn. Jehan, quoth she, run as fast as ever thou canst, and find the tire-woman and send her to me. Perchance my cousin will wish me to come to the great hall. I was glad to be off, since I was eager to know who the great lord was that rode so bravely at the head of his vassals. In the court all was bustle, but I heard it said that he was a friend to the king, and that he bore the name of Signor Bureau de la Riviere. What was his mission to my lord none could guess, but as one day followed another, and yet he tarried, my lady's tire-woman could hold her tongue no longer, and out the secret came. Never could I bide that woman. T'was always touch and go between us. Knave, quoth she, and jade, say I, till the ill-favoured wench would to my lady Eleanor in tears. Now the secret that she blabbed was this, that the Seigneur de la Riviere had come to ask for the hand of my little mistress at the suit of the Duc de Berry. It seems that the king laughed when he heard that his uncle the duke, who had seen a round fifty years, and had sons who were men grown, wished to take to wife Una Fillette, as he calleth her, of twelve years. But the duke held fast to his cause, and the king was but a lad of sixteen himself, with a wife two years younger, and many of the court were of scarce greater age. So the duke had persevered in his wishes, and the seigneur de la Riviere had come to treat with my master, the Comte de Foix who did not wish to give up his young cousin to one so much her elder. So he put off the seigneur, saying, The child is too young. Let the marriage wait till she grows up. These days I saw little of my mistress. The flowers and the dogs were all forgot, and she was housed with that tire-woman all the bright days. One morning there was an exceeding bustle and rushing hither and yon. Then was I bidden to put on my bravest suit and attend my mistress to the great hall. It took me far less time than it took my lady to put on all her fine gear, and when we came into the hall, there sat my lord, and beside him sat the stranger lord, while all around them were many score of knights and lances. My lord cometh forward, and taking my mistress by the hand, he leadeth her to a seat in the great oak chair beside him, whilst I stood but a step behind her. My lord looked at her kindly, and then, quoth he, Knowest why I sent for thee, child? My mistress drew up her head quite proud, and answered bravely, though her cheeks were like poppy buds. In truth I do, cousin. I think that thou art over young to make a marriage yet, began my lord. But my mistress saith quickly before he could go further, Dear cousin, our new Queen Isabeau had but fourteen years when she wedded King Charles, and it is said that she hath meaner height than I. Her cousin smiled. Thou knowest that the Duke de Berry is far more in years than thyself. Yet methinks I could like him well, saith the Lady Eleanor, and indeed this marriage suits me much. She looked so full of spirit, and withal so fair, that the Seigneur de la Riviere thought it well to take now a part himself. Thy lady knows her mind, saith he, and for a truth the duke loves her right well. 
King Charles, who is a youthful liege himself, will welcome her, and at Paris she will find all things that a young maid loves. I had forgot that in my lonely castle the young maid lacked much that other maids have. Still, child, thou knowest that I have loved thee well. At this my mistress went to her cousin and knelt by his knee, holding his hand and kissing of it. Dearest cousin, she cried, there has been naught lacking in all thy kindness for me, and if it is thy wish that I stay with thee, send the signor hence. My lord smiled sadly and shook his head, saying with a sigh, The child has chosen for herself, my lord. Then my mistress withdrew, and I followed her. How my head spun! My mistress to wed a lord almost as great as the king himself, to go to Paris to dwell, and I, Jehan, to go with her. Of a truth, I scarce drew breath for the next ten days, since we were to go forth straightway, and there was hurly-burly to get us furnished forth. At the end of that time we set out towards Paris, my lord Comte sending five hundred lances to safeguard my lady, and the Duke de Berry sending as many more, with litters, chariots, jewels, and fine robes to meet us on our way. I have not speech to tell how fine we fared on that journey. At every halt, great silken tents were spread. My lord duke had sent minstrels for to sing at my lady's pleasure, and there were litters hung with scarlet and gold to carry her when she was a-weary. There were women to wait on her, pages to run her bidding, and Jehan, chief of them all, always at hand with a chain of bright gold about his neck to show his new rank. End of section 1. Recording by James K. White. Chula Vista.